Topics. I'm Megan. And I'm Brooke. And we're here with you for a second podcast. We are. We made it through the first we and did. we are on to our second. We're so excited. Well, Brooke. Yeah. I mean, I'm just happy to be with you here. I am happy to be with you, Megan. How do you feel after our first podcast? I feel amped. I feel like we did a great job. Yes. I'm proud of us. <laughs> it's kind of, it's scary to come on and talk about stuff that's vulnerable and, yes. and at the same time, talk about something in an organized way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and of course we want to be as authentic as possible, which I believe we have been this yeah. whole time, but like, it's just when you have certain topics you want to discuss, uh-huh. you always get worried it comes out too contrived. Yeah. Or, yeah. Is that the right word? Contrived? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, well, I think we did an awesome job and honestly, we're just, we're killing it. Hoping people resonate with it. Honestly, we're just killing life and that's kind of why we wanted to pop on again and (laughs) let everyone know. We're also super humble, as you can tell. (laughs) Yes. That's one of our main qualities. Yeah. Um, Well, Brooke, you had a softball practice today. I did. So I joined my works softball league because... Yeah, because I work, as you know, I work from home, and that can get kind of lonely and isolating at times, and I was like, you know, let me meet these coworkers, let's see what's up. And so I've been playing softball with them, we have our first game next week, and what's crazy is I realized that I cannot throw the ball as far as I thought I could. Yeah. And it's crazy because like when you're, I played softball very briefly when I was uh, in, I think it was middle school. Mm. I played like one or two years. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't my main sport. My main sport was basketball, as Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But softball is a whole other beast. Mm -hmm. And what you don't realize is that you lose a lot of your arm strength when you get older. Yeah. And so throwing the ball from the outfield to second base or first base is a far way to throw can't it can't even imagine and then you watch it on tv and they do it like mm-hmm. it's no just, problem I, I, how how I know. well training steroids <laughs> <laughs> that's true but i mean can i tell you i had just had a dream last night that where i was <laughs> trying to serve a volleyball yeah. and i like couldn't even serve it a foot and i like felt in my body the like urgency to try to hit it hard and like my st- i woke up in my stomach i had been like tensing my core and oh my, my arm was like you know i had been like like jerking around and <laughs> wow i felt the shame and like heartbreak like i was running a race with people and part of it it was like a i don't know what that's called but like you have to like do different things get through different yeah. parts of the race and one of them was literally just serving a volleyball over a net and I couldn't do it and that's where I failed like they were like it's over you can't do it what is the bigger meaning behind I that I know I it was I fully resonate with this pain <laughs> I, I had an eight hour experience of that last night oh my gosh it was that's, horrible and that's crazy that it physically manifests yes you know you have those dreams where you feel like you're falling and you actually do mm-hmm. feel like you know you're like gonna fall out of your bed or whatever yeah but that's crazy like to have a volleyball one I know and I forgot that you played volleyball like yeah wow that... and I was a server that was my thing oh my god so that might I don't know what does that mean? I don't know. What we does need that to like about me? consult someone that is like a a dream know, person. Yeah, what do yeah. you call that? A dream guru? Actually, I really like this podcast. The Jungian podcast is about oh. Carl Jung, psychologist, and they are three Jungian psychologists, and they huh. talk about different, you know, uh, patients' stories um, with their permission, of course, or just general topics, and they have a dream school. Oh wow! You know because it. Jung was all about deciphering dreams. And so you can like write your dream in and they do like a little like synopsis of what they think it means. What? That's pretty cool. That is very cool. I know. Um, You need to give me those resources because I have tons of crazy dreams. Oh my gosh. I know. What if we wrote in and they actually read it? That would be cool. Crazy. I know. But you know what's funny is because there's certain dreams that are um, repetitive for a lot of people. Like yeah. I, I've heard the one where same over and over again. Te- where your teeth are falling uh-huh. out. That's a popular one, and yeah. they have assigned meanings to them, which is so crazy. But like, what if you give them this like crazy 
random ass Unique dream. dream. Yeah. And then they're just like, this means, what if they like hyper analyzed your whole life yeah. or like psychoanalyzed and like knew so much about you through that one dream? Right. That would be crazy. And you're like, wow, yes, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> So Which is nice. how I feel when I've gotten my like tarot cards read or something. Yeah. I'm like, how do you know that? I know. <laughs> me? You know how obsessed I am with tarot. It's just crazy how like a lot of that, it hits. It just yeah. hits different. <laughs> like, I know. You really feel red. You're like, read me to filth with one card. Yeah. I, actually, I was talking to one of our, our close friends recently. He was with us on our Utah trip. Oh, yeah. And um, I did a tarot reading for him when we were in Utah, remember? Yeah. And um, he like, something just happened. He got a new job. That's what it was. Uh-huh. And that was literally in the reading. Yeah. Of, like, you know, you're going to have this new offer come to you. And he's like, that's so creepy. He yes. was just saying. Like, it's so nuts. How I know. I kept hearing him go, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was like weirded out yeah. by it, you know? I remember when we were talking, like, we were talking about like birth charts. Uh-huh. And that one time, I think we were in the jacuzzi and in Utah, we were talking about that. And he yeah. was just like, okay, guys, this is getting too <laughs> freaky. <laughs> like, he was like, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I God. love it. Well, I love that I can talk to you guys about anything and just not feel embarrassed or ashamed or anything like that yes you know because shame is such a huge it plays a huge part in my life and yours I mean because it's so closely tied to codependency yes that (sighs) it just pops up and that's why that's what we're going to talk about today is shame and specifically shame and spiraling Mm -hmm. which are two main factors they're two main symptoms of codependency I don't, I don't know. know. Pat characteristics? They're co co dependence of they're codependent on codependency. codependency. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean to clarify, listeners, we are not experts and just in case you thought that based on this conversation <laughs> here. Um, but that's our topic today, shame and spiraling. So we're gonna go over how those two are linked, how shame and codependency are linked, what is spiraling, what are triggers of spiraling, and then strategies on like how to get out of it, which is I think the key and why we wanna talk about it, you know. Right, because that's the difference between having just some codependent uh, tendencies versus yeah. having very obtrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. um, physical ailments, all of it is linked to what we're going to talk about today, which is yeah. the spiraling and the shame of it. Right? Yeah. Because that's the stuff you need help with. We need strategies for You need to reimagine what your thoughts can look like so that they're not imprisoning you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crazy how it works like that. Um, and I think like, well, actually I'll just let you go into the first and then we'll, we'll go yeah, I know. I always am like want to jump to different parts, but I know we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. But we want to talk about how shame and codependency are linked. So like how shame keeps us in the loop of codependency because like we think we're bad. We always think we're in the wrong. So we need to make up for everything that has just happened. Even if we haven't even done anything wrong. Right. And we need to anticipate others needs and make everything okay at all times. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, not being okay with ourselves in a way where we're immediately blaming ourselves if someone switched up their behavior on us, if someone's acting a little different that day, immediately going into such a um, a deep, uh, I don't want to say inventory, but like a deep way of looking at ourselves and being like, okay, what did we do to cause this? But also just an inherent sense of shame around that. Right? Yeah. yeah, because that's a good question. In general, what did I do? in this situation that contributed to this consequence or to how somebody felt or to how I felt. That's fine like, to think that, but yeah. it, it just goes a little bit above and beyond that. We're overachievers in that mm. sense of like, you're trying to find a problem. Yes. And that problem is always you and you're trying to, and then you're attaching it to, um, your character to who you are. Right. right. And that's kind of what you had said when we were talking about it earlier, the difference between shame and guilt. It's in, it, we have shame because it's intertwined with our moral character. It's not just situational. It's not like, oops, yes. that thing was bad. It's I myself am terrible. 
Right. Like you can do something very menial, uh, like, and have some guilt over it. Like, oh yeah, you know, I maybe shouldn't have done that, you know? And that's very, you know, to that situation, to what you just did. Okay. I did that thing to that person or I said that thing. Yeah. I feel guilty over that, but that doesn't mean your personal character is, is compromised by that. And that's the difference, right? It's like, yep. Shame is like, no, I'm looking at who I am and I'm ashamed of it versus yeah. what that, that thing I did yeah. in that one situation. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an, another thing. But with yeah, also I... with that, it's like, um, having shame over our wants and needs because yeah. as a codependent, we don't know, first of all, it's hard to identify what those wants and needs are, which I mean, is a whole other discussion, but like when I first came out with finding out that I'm a codependent and what that meant for my life, I realized I had zero clue about what my wants and needs were like zero. And mm-hmm. it took me a while to figure that out. And it, it really, you know, I, I kind of stemmed it back to childhood. You know, I always had to be a certain way for my stepmom, and I had to make sure everyone was appeased in certain ways. I found out who they were so I can become exactly what they needed but then as an adult, of course, that continued on and I realized, oh my gosh, I have no idea what my wants and needs are and, and that in itself is shameful. Mm-hmm. I felt a lot of shame around that. Yeah. But then when you do identify them mm-hmm. and then the fact that you do have those wants and needs, mm-hmm. you're, you're afraid to express them yeah. because you're worried mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to be met. You've or, been told they were bad, don't have needs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. You know. So now you don't even know what they are, and then when they come up, you can't determine if that need is warranted, is should be valued, yes, is valid. A lot of that is a, an a parent or someone in our life devaluing those needs too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not always that. It doesn't always have to be someone in our life devaluing mm-hmm. our needs. But a lot of the times, like you said, it's figuring out. You know, is should that be a need that I have? Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, totally. But. And not to mention, it doesn't like people don't have to have ill intent. It could be like, you know, somebody maybe has a sibling who had a lot, who was ill or, or there was just a situation where somebody else got a lot of attention and maybe your needs weren't seen. Yeah. You know, and as much, it, right. it doesn't even have to be like ill intent or abuse or anything like that. It's just, and then some people are extra, extra sensitive. So maybe now this kid who's extra, extra sensitive is the one that's not getting as much attention. And then by comparison, he's seeing, or she's seeing, or they're seeing over time, I'm less than, I shouldn't have needs. I shouldn't want things. Right. Um, because it's not enough to speak of. You know, right, and so it can the origin can come from anywhere, but then it manifests later. Yeah, and actually, what you just described was my life to a T. I mean, it I didn't have any sort of abuse, so to speak, but in my childhood, I felt I was the second out of four kids. Um, so, like, my older sister was five and a half years older than me, doing her own thing, and then when I was in the household, my mom was a traveling saleswoman. Oh, by the way, I should start. My parents were divorced; they divorced when I was five. I lived with my mom primarily, but um, she was a traveling saleswoman. She was not around a lot. My dad had remarried someone who ended up having borderline personality disorder, and that was a lot for him to deal with. And it wasn't that they were purposely neglecting my needs, but I think they were both just extremely preoccupied yeah. in their own lives. Yeah. And, you know, there's a there's a level of forgiveness that I need to give them for that, you know, because that still was hurtful in a lot of ways, even though it wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. But I also, on top of that, happened to be a very emotionally, yeah. you know, emotional, highly sensitive person from mm-hmm. birth, you yeah. know, which we've talked about a little bit in that first episode. Yeah. But like... You know, from birth, I've been someone who's just a little bit extra, I hate to say the word because it's got that negative connotation, Mm -hmm. but needy. Yeah. You know, and I was a little bit emotionally, um, I needed more, I had more emotional things that needed to be met. Yeah. And they just weren't around for that. So not to go off on a tangent about me, but like, it's just important to bring up these examples. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like not feeling like, there's just always this inherent like low self-esteem, not good enough feeling yeah. that I have. And like chicken or the egg, a lot of this stuff maybe can like lead you to be more uh, like um, prone to being codependent later, like having low self-esteem, being highly sensitive, being 
blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it, it could later lead you to be more prone to be codependent. It's not necessarily like you are codependent, therefore you are all these things, like how it goes, but right. just saying, I feel like I personally have this low self-esteem that's kind of perpetual. Right. And then a part of codependency is feeling like you're not being yourself mm-hmm. because you're doing what other people want you to do yes. or what you think other people want you to do. And so you f- you're feeling trapped in that and you're feeling like you're not being yourself. And then it leads you to act in ways that are not you. Right. So then you feel like your beliefs and how you're acting are not matching up. Exactly. And so then that creates more shame. Yeah. But then it leads you to be more codependent because you're trying to make up for that. Yes. You know, and make sure everything's okay with everybody, you know, and then we're back and then we're back and then we're back. It's caught in the loop of it. Uh Right. But that's a good point as well is, um, what did you say? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Uh, I just think that's another way that we have shame. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. It it is. It's a way, um, because when you're always in the people pleasing mode of like making sure everyone else is good, um, that makes it impossible for you to truly identify what your needs are, but also meet your own needs. And so because of that, the Mm -hmm. shame around, you know, wow, I'm not set in my beliefs. And you might even start Mm -hmm. comparing yourself to someone who is Mm -hmm. set in their beliefs and Mm -hmm. set in their ways, but it's like, you constantly end up betraying yourself, right? It's like a a self-betrayal loop. And then you don't realize that you don't understand why you don't love yourself too. And and then that's the thing is like, then you're like, Oh wait, I don't know myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wait, why don't I love myself? Oh, it's because I don't know myself. Why Mm -hmm. don't I know myself? Oh, it's because I've been people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Why am I people pleasing? Oh, it's because I thought that was the way to survive. And I used it as a coping mechanism. Yeah. So it's all linked to the same uh-huh. thing, but then the bottom of that pit, yeah, the, the bottom of that pit is just shame. I'm imagining mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know. It's like a pyramid. Yeah. 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 And it's just, that's the underlying tone. Totally. And then that shame and feeling that we're bad and feeling like we have to make up for that in all ways at all times and like we are the problem and we have to fix people means when that isn't working we immediately put that back on ourselves and think that we are bad and that we need to make up for it. And then that creates this sensation that we're going to talk about more and it's called spiraling. Yes. Yes. And if you don't know what a spiral is, consider yourself. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) You're winning. Honestly, uh, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It is terrible. Mm -hmm. Everything, all the feelings associated with it make you feel like you just took an insane drug. Yeah. Um, And if you've never taken drugs um, or psychedelics in any sense, um, it could be even more jarring because it's just like, is this what people experience? I mean, this is, it literally can manifest itself in like a way where you're tripping out. Like you just literally took shrooms or LSD. (laughs) You know, and, uh, just what, what a spiral does to you is nuts. And, um, and it's, it's important to say too, you can spiral in many different ways, not just with codependency. There's spiraling exists with OCD and and other issues, other mental, um, health issues as well. And that's why it's important. And we'll talk in later podcast episodes about the intersectionality of codependency with other like mental health. Topics, yes, yes, yes. Um, because they are often really intertwined. Yeah. And, you know, again, I mean, just as a disclaimer, like I think we said in the last podcast, we don't think that codependency exists in a vacuum. Um, yes. We're saying that word a lot, but, you know, we're just focusing on it. But it, of course, does not exist in a vacuum. It bleeds out into a lot of other things. It's connected with a lot of other mental health topics, ways yeah. of thinking, you know, it doesn't stop and end with what we're talking about, no. just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I think people, and it, we, you have to kind of veer away from the um, the need. It's like a, a human need to want to slap a label on something mm-hmm. and be like, it's all under this vacuum yeah, or yeah. this category. Um, but it really, it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. And it, there's so many other factors to it. But, totally. Yeah. And we'll, we want to get into all of those. Yeah. But, you know, this is the second podcast, people, so we haven't gotten there. <laughs> <laughs> Hold your horses. Hold I know you're excited for us. I but, know. Yeah. 
I feel like we're going to have like, like extra best friends as listeners, you know, (laughs) who are going to comment. We can all chat. I would love also, Ooh, we could have people call in. Yes. I would love that. We, we would love to do that Mm -hmm. have callers. I mean, even this is kind of very forward thinking, but like we can have physical meetups. We could that be fun. In the, I mean, we are in the Orange oh my County gosh, area. A bunch of codependents just being like, "No, what do you want to do? No, 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 what do you want to do?" <laughs> we might not ever get to making the plan yeah. of us hanging out somewhere. <laughs> you know, we might not actually be able to nail that and nail and, that down. Yeah, but we can we Hilarious. can try can our try. damnedest. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, okay. So now that we've introduced spiraling a little bit, let's talk about um, the triggers of a spiral. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. So like... It's good. Uh, if we're going about our day <laughs> <laughs> and we don't think anything's wrong. Right. Some things that we've experienced that trigger our spirals, and we'll get into the phases of spiraling, um, is feeling ashamed about yeah. something. Right. It's probably a good, like you said, foundation of the pyramid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever happens, you feel ashamed. Yeah. So that could be anything. That could look like anything. Yeah. Um, starting off at that ashamed level, but then it could also be um, someone that you're texting back and forth with yeah. is no longer responding. Yeah. Um, sometimes just a long pause in communication. I mean, especially for our generation, I hate to say we're all glued to our phones mm-hmm. as millennials. Megan and I are millennials. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we're, I mean, I know, I don't know about you, but like if I'm used to texting someone on a daily basis, if I'm in a relationship with them or whatever, and hours go by and I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. um, sometimes I'll just immediately jump to conclusions yeah, and all the things that we'll talk starts. about. It just yeah. starts it off. Yeah. And even not, not texting, but texting back weirdly. Yeah. Differently yeah. than normal. Right. And that can look like anything. You put a period. You don't ever put a period. You yeah. put, uh, that's all lowercase. Oh, you capitalize that. Oh, why did you just say, okay? Right. Oh, why did, oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. Or even just, I, this is a big one for me, but feeling misunderstood. That's mm-hmm. a huge trigger for me to start spiraling. Yes. If someone says something that paraphrases what I've tried to just say that's wrong. Yeah. Especially if they're not, they don't seem interested in me clarifying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, or they just assume that they got your point by just yeah. something that you said very mm-hmm. like, flippantly. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, but you didn't get the full scope of what I was trying to say. Yes. That yeah. does, that does make me sometimes, especially in romantic relationships, I'll repeat myself a lot. <laughs> and yeah, my partners have gotten really annoyed. Like every single partner has reacted in the same way when I repeat myself. Like, I think I'm saying it with a new nuance, Yes, but I can see that they are getting annoyed that it's coming up again. And in the same conversation, I just mean like, even if we're having a good conversation, I'm explaining how I'm feeling or like how something affects me. And then the, how it affects me is like the same point eight different times. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Wait, that just unlocked something for me. Like new level unlocked. Yeah. Cause honestly, I don't realize this, but I am totally someone who repeats themselves in conversations. Yeah. Actually, I do know this about me because I realize that my mom is a repeater, mm-hmm. right? And my mom is also a codependent, mm-hmm. but my mom repeats things constantly in conversations. And I always thought that was annoying. Yeah. And then I started, or I realized recently that I do that too. Yes. But it's crazy how it does link back to codependency as well, because yeah. you want to make sure you don't want to be just get it. Yeah. Did you get it in this way though? Did you get it in this context? But did you get how, what I said at the beginning is actually linked to the thing we talked about yesterday as well. Yes. You know. And if they don't acknowledge it in the way mm-hmm. you need them to acknowledge it, right? It's not like, good enough. I am going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> if I am not satisfied with your response, I will say it again. You 100%. Know? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, it's not crazy. Let's stop saying that. I know. Okay. We, we're trying to keep the C word to a minimum. And yeah. by the C word, we mean crazy. <laughs> the other C word's fine. <laughs> the other C word is welcome and encouraged. <laughs> Because there's a lot of big C words out there, let me tell you. All right. If we're talking about that C word, which is a lot of those. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, but I, and also, you were saying when you feel like someone's pulling away, when yes. someone's being avoidant, 
Yes. You know? Oh, gosh. Yeah. We can go on and on, on about this. On and on. So we'll go on this topic in another um, podcast, but basically codependency is very much linked with just being an anxiously attached person. And a lot of those types of people, unfortunately, end up with avoidantly attached people, which means they just are highly independent, but almost to a fault. Yeah. Um, like, it isn't the same thing, but it is, I would say, rare that someone who is codependent is not anxiously attached or vice versa. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say it's the same thing. It's it. Yes, you're right. It's, it's similar, right? Mm-hmm. I would um, say it's related in a lot of ways. And, yeah. like... I think would be, well, like what you were saying is that you kind of find, I think those two types of people are kind of magnets for each other. Like what you were saying, avoidant and anxious attachment. So we're in these situations a lot where we feel like someone's pulling away. Right, right. And um, even if you're partnered up with someone with a secure attachment style, meaning that they don't, they're not anxious, they're not avoidant, they're just secure but maybe they're busy one day mm-hmm. and they're not texting mm-hmm. you as much or they're having a bad day, You'll which we all do. You'll perceive it as avoiding. Yeah. We'll, we'll always perceive your behavior pretty much as you avoiding us and then we'll immediately find blame and, okay, mm-hmm. they're avoiding us because we must be inherently not worthy of their love right. or something very deep like that when mm-hmm. really it's like... They're busy. Yeah, I'm busy, babe. Yeah. <laughs> I've exactly. heard that several more times than I've wanted to hear um, is I'm just busy, I'm just babe. busy. Yeah. And the other thing that we said was inconsistencies that happen that make you feel untrusting. Mm -hmm. Like it makes you feel like that person's untrustworthy. Yes. But it could be the simplest thing that has the most basic explanation. And like even if you even – like this has happened to me. Something happens. You even know the explanation without even asking. Yeah. But still. Your mind is still telling you otherwise. Yes. I'm like this is something big. To be worried about. It is related to some reason I can't trust you. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Another thing too that I want to mention on this is, um, I think the book Attached talks about this, is what codependents will often do is they might be spiraling on this one thing, but that spiral will go so far as to be like, and this is why we're not going to work out. Um, you'll, mm-hmm. and then you'll link it to other problems yeah. instead of just making it about that one problem that you're dealing with. Yeah. You'll be like, and this problem's linked and this problem's linked. And you know, it's, it's a lot of like overthinking mm-hmm. on just this one issue. Right. Yeah. And I want you to talk to about what you said was a big trigger for you, which is too much alone time or too much time, not alone time, but time do not being busy. Yes. Okay. So I mean, I work at home and I do have busy days, but there's like definite lulls throughout my day. And if I am not preoccupied with a work issue or if everything's fine at work and I've maybe gotten all my tasks done and I'm just chilling, um, sometimes just having an idle mind um, and having not too much to focus on or deal with or any problems to address, I my mind will go into overdrive creating mm-hmm. one. And sometimes too much alone time is not a good thing in that way. I mean, I mean, alone time's great, right? If, if you know how to be alone and be secure in that aloneness, then it's great. But if you're having someone, if you're someone with these issues, then sometimes um, you have to work overtime to distract yourself. And yeah. that's, you know, we'll get into some of the solutions that we do when we spiral later, but like... Um, I've just noticed that I need to dump my brain into some other activity. Otherwise I will continuously think about that trigger. Right. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. And I think all those are triggers we've experienced, but there are countless. I mean, yeah, yeah. So many. And I think just a thought coming into your mind that is a negative thought coming into your mind could be a trigger. It's a trigger for me sometimes when I'm like just doing yeah. something and then I'm like, I think one thing and then I'm like, that is now my reality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it could be the simplest thing. Right. Um, so, I mean, after these triggers happen, let's talk about phases of spiraling. Like what actually happens when you're spiraling? Yeah. Um, you basically freak out. You freak out. <laughs> It's basically having the same uh, sensation as having a very big um, mental breakdown or a freak out over something that could 
a lot of the times not even be true. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's frustrating about this problem mm-hmm. is like most of it's just perceived anxieties or you're worrying about the future, right? Future when, tripping. Future tripping. That's my biggest thing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Be present. Just be right here. Yeah. Um, actually, I'll add a note about a strategy then because I just thought of it. Um, okay, so we wrote down some phases. Now, these are not from research or anything. This is just what we experience, experience yeah. and what we agreed that is like pretty consistent in our spirals. So first thing is the trigger. So that's all the things we just mentioned. What happens to start off this shame-based obsessive thinking spiral? Right. And then it moves into obsessive thinking. Yeah. So you can't stop thinking about the trigger, the thing that happened. And this could look like, for example, the trigger is I'm texting my uh, partner and they don't respond for two hours or they say, okay, yeah, to something. And then that irks me. And I think, oh, why? Right. Why did they do that? So now I'm thinking, overthinking, obsessively thinking about this text. Maybe I'm typing um, at work and then I keep looking down. I keep my phone open on that text page to see maybe they'll write again. Are there any three little dots? Looking right. down. Now I'm going to go scroll back up and read all the things that we've said today to each other to see if there was any moment that I thought maybe could have turned this conversation totally then yeah go ahead well no i was just going to mention you yeah that's exactly what you do you you hyper fixate on everything that was said in the text thread before that you go back to older messages Mm -hmm. you start racking your brain for why they could possibly Mm -hmm. be mad at you in this when do they say okay when have they said okay before right what was the situation you know you turn into this little detective And then all of that stuff that you're detecting now is based on, number three, assumptions. You start making all these assumptions. They're mad. Yes. They don't like me anymore. Right. They, et cetera. It could be anything. It's wild assumptions. Right. And then you start, like you were saying earlier, Brooke, jumping to conclusions. You find links. Yep. With things that are not even related. Not at all. Not at all. And this is the funny part is as soon as you start jumping to conclusions and when you maybe share with a friend what you're feeling or whatever is happening, that is, I I don't want to use the C word for crazy, but that's the part that you, that a lot of people perceive as like, wait, what? Yeah. Because that's like, where is this coming from? Yeah. That's the part where it really weirds people out because it, you end up linking these crazy things in your brain. And then when you say it out loud, you even realize that there's no logic or or basis. Oh Yeah. 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 And I think that the jumping to conclusions part is like a superpower and the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Because we can, we're, we can easily find connections with things. And sometimes that could be good. You know, if you're, if you're, um, at work, you can use it for good things or like, um, you know, if you're working on yourself and you're thinking, oh, I do this in this situation and that situation, that you can find links of like how you behave and then that can help you change the way, whatever. Blah, blah. It can be good, just like most things, yeah. but you're using it for evil, for evil in this moment of like, because it's fired by your shame. That's right. the whole point. All of this is, is geared, the fuel is your shame. Right. And you know what's funny? I was just thinking about this the other day. You know how like um, back in the, the olden days or what or what would you call it? The days where we're like cavemen and like, you know, fighting mm-hmm. for survival, right? Mm-hmm. Jumping to conclusions might not be a bad thing. If, you're, if I'm jumping to conclusions that a tiger is nearby mm-hmm. or some tiger that's going to eat us, mm-hmm. um, that might be a good thing to jump to conclusions at, even if I'm wrong, right? Yeah. But as we have developed into the human beings that we are... Um, you know, I feel like that, um, having that sort of perceived threat all the time doesn't work in our favor anymore because we don't have to worry about a tiger eating us or, you know, you know what I mean? So I thought that was an interesting thing just to think about. Totally. And I think it's a part of, you know, we oftentimes don't, Brooke and I talk a lot about how we don't like that codependents are often, um, labeled judgmental. Yeah. And they even talk about that. You said in the CODA meetings of like, we know as codependents, we can be kind of judgmental. Yeah. And we don't like that word, but I do think this is kind of related. Like the fact that we find links to things because we're assuming something 
and we're comparing it to how we think something should have gone. Mm-hmm. And having that, ba- that's what judgment is. Having something we think this is the way it should be yeah. and you are not doing that thing, period. Right. Now I'm judging you. You're yeah. not doing the thing you should be doing. You didn't text me, okay, love, with a little heart face. That's what you should have done yeah. and you didn't. And you're being X, Y, Z. And, you know, I think that really is what that means when they say that, when we're like recovering from codependency and we're saying, remember fight off the judgment. It's kind of that. It's more that controlling perspective that there is a way to be and you're not doing it. Right, right. Um, and that's what's crazy. I, we've talked about this before with the judgment thing because that's the hardest pill for me to swallow. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I very much pride myself on being someone who is the least judgmental. Like open. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've, I've, like that is literally one of my, I don't know, points that I've always loved about myself. But... Like we talked about before, judgment comes in in many different forms. It's not just always straightforward. Yeah, I'm judging you for who you are or yeah. how you are. It's it can also come in ways of well, you're not meeting my needs, therefore I'm judging you for that. Yeah, and you're not understanding them. You mm-hmm. know, and yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know, and that is really I think a big one of the biggest phases here of the spiral (laughs) that's like really where it kicks it into high gear yes you know what I mean because then we talk about our body response Mm -hmm. that's number five we put that as number five some of these are kind of synonymous obviously it's not I mean not synonymous it happens at the same time it's not like it's like step one two three four five six some of them happening at the same time but yeah or in different orders but for me, I get like a stomach anxiety, like rumbling and a high, high stress response feeling like my heart is beating. Yeah. Really I get fast. hot. I get almost mm. like a hot flash. Yeah. Like I get really hot. My temperature goes up. I get angry. I, um, I get like, um, uh, what you call it? Like you dry, dry mouth. mouth. Yeah. I get dry mouth. And I feel like I just can't um, function because now my body is going in overdrive about the stress. Right? Exactly. And what's weird too for me that I think is really interesting is that I, my peripheral vision dims. Yeah. I like cannot think about anything else and I can't see anything else but what's right in front of me, which is the problem. Right. You know? And then what you do is you end up acting on that as well and then like a lot of the times you might send a text that you might regret Mm -hmm. or which is where we come in of like all the strategies we need to get out of the spiral you can't be making decisions in the spiral no don't act on the spiral and that's the thing is that's it all comes down to acting on your emotions right like people always say just let the emotions pass through you whatever you're dealing with but don't label them good or bad just let them happen let them happen experience them but as someone who spirals and someone for like me, I want to act on that spiral so bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, get, we'll get into these methods here, but one of the big ones I use is just calling someone and yeah. really you explaining just want to it. get out of it. Yeah. And then also what ends up happening or on number six is thinking difficulty and your reality starts to shift. So, so your perspective of reality starts to really tilter tilter is that a word tilt <laughs> i like it tilt a whirl. I, I like it. that's what's happening yeah it's on a tilt whirl and everything yes. is up you're an upside down world like i can't it, it's almost like i forgot how to problem solve i forgot Ugh. how to assess any situation yeah and if you're someone like me who's highly emotional that means you already live in your emotions more than you do your logical brain a lot of the times even on most things but when you're spiraling it's like only thing that matters is how I'm feeling at the moment and not what I logically know to be true and really reality shifting or tiltering or whatever I said (laughs) tilt whirling so yeah it really like it's shocking and kind of scary how true that statement is because I, my jump to conclusion could be about something that like I didn't even do. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, and then I'm like, where did I, where am I coming up with this from nowhere? Right. And then you're coming up with, with, um, things that you did that you didn't even do. Now it's just lies. Mm -hmm. 
you're telling, oh, sorry, um, you're telling yourself lies and stuff. You yeah, know? it's cr- I'm not crazy. I'm going to stop saying that. I know. And then number seven is a need to fix. And I specifically, I was telling you, I feel like I have this gnawing feeling in my stomach. Like something is inside, like gnawing to get out. Like I need to fix this problem. Yes. Or my whole insides are going to combust. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, and the need for it is real. And, and this actually is interesting too, is... Um, when you get in a fight with your partner or significant other, do you want to hash things out right away or do you need some time to cool off and then discuss it? And right. This is like a big topic that a lot of couples discuss. And when you're spiraling, you just want to work out that mm-hmm. issue immediately. You need to fix it right now. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. And so then you end up butting heads. So not to mention it probably, honestly, if you're in a spiral, it probably wouldn't work for you either because no. you're not thinking clearly, you know? Right. But you feel the need to do it right away. It's like this, it's like an, a, almost like a bodily urge that you can't control. Yes. It's, it's crazy. It's like it takes over your whole being and then you're like, I must fix this right away. And you're not even in the emotional um, state that you should be. when. No. And then you get mad at how you solved it later yes. because you're like, oh, oh man. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I shouldn't have said that. I was in such a terrible emotional state. Why did I try and solve it then? 100%. And then you neglect your routines. You neglect your needs. Yeah. You don't work. I can't think. I can't work. I can't think about anything. I just look at my phone all day. So when I'm... text. Yes. And on this topic, when I'm spiraling, I have such a hard time not paying attention Mm -hmm. or paying attention to anything else besides. So sometimes, like, I know this... Okay, I'm not going to say it. But, um, it is, it's, it's quite shocking, you know, what I have to do sometimes to stop myself from acting on a spiral. So what I'll do is I will literally lock my phone in my car for a couple hours while Mm -hmm. I'm spiraling. Um, that's something that I like to do is just like get the phone out of there because I don't want to do something I will regret, like AKA calling the person over and over, sending a text message I didn't want to send, yeah. acting out of anger over something that they didn't even do. You yeah. know, it's like, you know. Yeah, totally. And, you know, what is so infuriating is that after all of this, you've spiraled now, then somebody texts you normally, or maybe they weren't texting you, that's what you were spiraling about, now they finally text you. Oh, you relax yes. and all of that's over and you feel this euphoria of good the problem's gone right and then this regret and shame about yes. spiraling so the spiral was fueled by shame now you're ashamed now of spiraling exactly so then now you're just in a constant shame spiral and you're judging yourself at this point for being like you spiraled over that mm-hmm. wow and then it ends up you know you're your love for yourself, you know, is affected. It affects all these things. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. I mean, the shame tapes have been talked about a lot by a lot of different like self-help people, like how detrimental they are to our mental health in general and just how specifically linked they are to spiraling and to codependency, I think is important to note Yeah. to like get a hold of your shame mm-hmm. in and of itself. Yeah. And then thinking of spiraling, the strategies for getting out of spiraling that we've talked about that help us are like breathing, yeah. meditation, mantras of self-worth because it attacks the shame at its core. Yes. Yes. You know, or even like what we were saying, if that it doesn't work because you feel too amped, like your body, your, your nervous system is so escalated that breathing, like calming sitting in a calm state actually agitates you more because you're so high stress. Move your body, jump yes. around, dance, go on a walk. And it can be so silly and so non-serious. Like yeah. you don't need to go to the gym and do a high intensity cardio workout. Yes. You can literally put on some music and dance in your living room. In fact, I encourage doing something silly. Yeah. For me, I need to yes. do something that makes me laugh at myself, yes. but not in a in a bad way, no, but more like a... don't take yourself so seriously. Yeah, and I think um, Glennon and um, Abby talk about this on their podcast, Do Hard Things. They uh, have dance parties whenever they're having high anxiety or high stress about something. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when you're spiraling, just remind yourself, this is just anxiety playing, doing a number on me. And anxiety at the end of the day, there's many things we can do to quell that, right? Yeah. And dancing, having fun, um, getting out of the serious mindset that you're in is going to help tremendously. 
That's huge. And yeah. I, I think too, like, um, what you said, leaving your phone in your car, like taking yeah. the, the, the trigger away from you if possible. Like that's a really tangible trigger. Right. So literally don't be near it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's perfect. Some, sometimes it is the thought that just triggered you. So it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, I can't put that in my car, but you know, <laughs> or even cause I really like visualizations, like imagining right. locking your thought in a car, in a cage. Yeah. I used to do that when I was really scared. Um, of the dark or whatever. And I would, I would like think I would see something at night and I would just imagine that thing being in a cage and being like kicked into the next realm or something, you know? And it really, it would call me because you, you need to trick your brain, you know, to, to recognize it's safe. And I know a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes at some of these like, Oh, mantras really? Or, Mm -hmm. Oh, imagining the idea locked in a cage. Mm -hmm. I know it seems silly, and trust me, you might feel silly, especially Mm -hmm. if you're not someone who's used to doing mantras for literally everything, which I have to do because of just low self-worth issues all around. But like, if you're not used to doing those things, it's going to feel weird. And like anything, though, the more that you repeat it, the more it becomes natural, the more it becomes your internal dialogue. And I know it's hard to imagine now, but as, as the more you repeat positive things in those moments about yourself and the things that you not just things that you're like you know making up off the fly but really things that you do like love and cherish about yourself and what you know to be true about yourself because there everybody if you dig deep everyone knows certain things to be true about them that are good and wholesome and 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 right at its core and those are the things you need to remind yourself of totally and I think that ties into the idea of Make your brain stop thinking about that thing. Yeah. Like that is one of the biggest strategies for me is just recognizing that I'm actually trying to replace my inner dialogue with something like what you just said, something nice, something kind, something helpful. Right. When we get into these spirals, oftentimes we think of it as like, we're thinking about this trigger thought as a detective. We're going to figure this out. We're going to problem solve it as though there is an end. Yeah. And we yeah. just need to recognize there is not. There is not an end. Thinking about it in this way actually is not going to do literally anything. Yeah. We are not doing anything noble by continually going over and over and over this in our head. And I think that idea of like what you resist persists. If you think about something over and over and over and over again because you don't like it, well, guess what? That's what's going to come to you more. Well, guess what? That's what you're going to do more. Well, guess what? That's what you're going to bring into your life more because that's what your whole mind and body is is putting its worth into, is putting its time into. Yeah, yeah. So, like, stop making your brain think that thought. Mm -hmm. Replace it with mantras of kindness to yourself. Yeah. Do visualizations, move your body. Talk to a friend. And then talk to a friend. Yeah. We didn't say that yet. Yeah. That is so key. Say, hey, reach out. Brooke and I do that for each other. We do. We do it through voice memos Mm -hmm. and I highly encourage those. Yeah. I, we love our voice memos because. Because I can hear your tone. Mm Mm-hmm. And You'll know when I'm like, when you, you know when to, um, go into like problem solving mode yeah, or into listening mode. Totally. Cause yeah. I can sense your vibe. And I mean, maybe that's cause I'm codependent and I'm, we are good at like anticipating that. <laughs> yeah. But, and you can just say that, don't make the other person guess, but say, I need you to listen to me right now. Or yeah. I just need you to, I need you to help me solve. What do I do? What's, what are action plans? You know, right. tell the person what you need. Or if you're the listener, say, send a voice memo back. Hey, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Let me know. What are you feeling right now? Do you want me to listen with you and yeah. just like be there for you? Or do you want a plan? Do you want to, you know, ask Yeah. Um, so that you don't have to guess. I mean, luckily we, I've guessed correctly I think (laughs) (laughs) you guessed probably our time yeah uh, but you know and if I do if you get a five minute voice note on problem solving and you're like "Mm -mm, no yeah just say I saved that I really just can't listen to it right now can you just yeah be there for me which is hard for a codependent to say oh man it is hard that makes me sick thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go throw up actually I actually need a minute but you know that is what needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, even though that's hard. But that is so key because 
even if you're listening to the person or or solving a problem, you can be a rebound person for uh, like like reality. Yeah, and and honestly, sometimes just verbalizing yeah. what you are thinking in that head of yours, because mm-hmm. all of us in the head, it's in a safe space, right? When that thought's in its head, it is safe. It's protected. So to you makes complete sense yeah but then it's in an echo chamber of your own thoughts and that was your thought so it is in a home of its peers <laughs> yes you know? i know and so identifying it and actually um speaking it out loud there's been several times where i'm you know either doing a voice memo to you or i'm talking to somebody else and i mentioned that's the thing i'm spiraling about and in that moment of just verbalizing it i yeah. realized wait Whoa. And then I realized all the different ways I jumped to conclusions. I realized all the different assumptions I made. And then I realized, oh, this is a spiral. By the end of the memo, you're in a totally different mood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so just don't underestimate the power of just vocalizing it. But at the same time, even if you vocalize it and you feel that you're, you're still feel the same way, you feel like you're still, you know, whatever. Having a soundboard, like you said, right? Yeah. Like having someone repeat back even like that. That's another thing you can help your friend mm. help you with is have your friend repeat back what you said yeah. was bothering you. Um, sometimes you need to hear it from your friend and yep. you know, so mm-hmm. just, I, I find this part of it to be crucial yeah. and why the CODA program has sponsors. This is why, yeah. you know? Yes, totally. Yeah. And I would also say eat a healthy snack, take a drink <laughs> of water. Yeah. When you're feeling this way, you, like what you were saying, your body, you get dry mouth. You mm-hmm. have all this stuff. It, our bodies are becoming dehydrated. Our bodies are going through all this stress. It's working overtime just yeah. to keep you at homeostasis, you know. Right. Um, so replenish it. And right. this is kind of a tough one for some people because, for example, I have an unhealthy eating like history. So sometimes I'll binge yeah. eat. And so it... If I go to eat something, I have to make sure that I'm not choosing something that I'm binging because I'm upset, yes. but rather eating healthy to nourish my body. Correct. So, you know, that's a, it can be a tricky one, but. That's a great point, but also could be tricky. Like you said, it depends on the, it, the relationship you have with food, right? Yeah. But you just have to realize it's all about giving your body the nourishment it needs because Sometimes I'd be hangry, girl. Sometimes mm-hmm. I... Oh my gosh, yes. Whew. And sometimes if I'm in a really bad hangry state and I don't realize that that is what's affecting everything, yeah. then all of a sudden I'm like yeah. way more prone to react. I became, yes. became a very reactive person, right? Um, so... That is key. It doesn't... For me, it doesn't cause my spirals in the sense that if I'm not hungry, I will still spiral. But... Yeah. If I'm hungry and spiraling, and spiraling, it's worse. It doesn't help. Yeah. It doesn't help. Just yeah. fo- just focus. If there's needs that need to be met, focused mm-hmm. on meeting those basic needs first. And that's an act of defiance in and of itself because yeah. a part of the spiral is that you ignore your needs. You ignore your, you exactly. know, whatever. So doing that is actually going against the spiral. Right. And saying, no, right. I'm not going to let you control this. I'm not going to let you control me. Right. And, and just reminding yourself that you are not your thoughts. Like you as a person are not who, what your thoughts are telling you. You are the person observing the thoughts. Mm -hmm. And there's so many books on this already, but like, and I know it's like, it's probably very cliche statement anyways, but like just reminding yourself that your thoughts are not you and they're completely separate from who you are. Um, I think that can remove a lot of the shame aspect of it because the shame is around like, why do I even have these thoughts Mm -hmm. to begin with? Why am I like this? Why am I like this? But really give yourself a break and realize we Mm -hmm. all have softwares in our brain that tell us things that are so not true on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Like most of the thoughts that run through our brain are actually not true. So, Oh, and that was the other thing. Well, one, one of the things of, um, strategies was being present and one step is that like okay I'm gonna observe myself in this moment yes not just be thrown around inside of my thoughts and like what you were saying earlier a lot of this is future tripping that's yes. major for me that's like the main thing that I spiral about 
And so I tell myself, okay, I'm going to observe myself in this moment that helps me be present because when people say be present, I'm like, I don't really know what that means. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to observe myself right now. What's happening. I'm sitting in this chair and then I feel the chair. Okay. I'm standing on the ground and then sometimes I'll do grounding exercises where I'll like take my shoes off and feel the ground, go feel the concrete or grass or whatever. Yes. On my feet energetically it's proven to be helpful. I mean, I don't look. I don't have the research in front of me. All yeah. Right? But no, no. I'll there do was that. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to interject. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there was an actual um, study that I read online yeah. that like it increases your endorphins by just putting your bare feet on grass. Yes. Exactly. Like that's crazy to me that I'll use the the c word again. But you know, it that's yeah. that is. I mean, just simple things. And people are like, really? But honestly, yes. it is the simple stuff. It is the simple stuff. It's yeah. just making yourself do that simple stuff. Right. And that really is helpful for me. Grounding. T- okay, I'm touching the table. The table is real. Yeah. I'm sitting here. Sitting here is real. The chair is real. My hair is in a ponytail. That is real. You know, just uh, literally, just what I'm seeing, what I'm looking at. And that really centers me and it calms me down and it brings me out of the future. And then I realize, oh, I'm actually safe. Yes. I'm here. Yes. And it also reminds me of the movie Inception because Mm. if you've seen that movie, that's really what it's about is like, you know, like when they're tripping out in the dreams and stuff, they always have that one. And you see that movie, right? Yeah. Or they like have the top that they spin to like, you know, uh, confirm if this is a dream or if this is reality. In the same way, you do need something in your mind or... Even if it's as silly as like spinning a top on the on the table, but yeah. like, you know, just like putting yourself in the present moment and realizing this table is real, this chair mm-hmm. is real, my thoughts are completely non-founded on yeah. real things, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, and then it clarifies that what you were previously thinking is not real by comparison, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were saying earlier. Have questions to ask yourself. Yeah. You know, it. Oh, is is xyz true yeah well no yeah okay well is is this true okay well no yeah you know and just go through the list and tell yourself oh yeah that's no that isn't true well that's not true either okay well why am i upset yeah exactly you know and 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 that's how you get to the root of the issue because sometimes although it could be something that's not founded in truth there may be times where you are spiraling on something that might be is Mm -hmm. it might be a little bit founded in truth, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't want to just assume that every thought we spiral on is completely false. Sometimes yeah. it, there could be a, a few elements of it that are true. Okay, yeah, that person did do something that made me not trust them as much. Okay, yes, that's true. Yeah. But I'm so much more than that moment. I'm so much more than that relationship having a snag. Even if the worst case scenario happened and we break up. Right. I'm still me. I'm worth more than giving up my life, which is what I'm doing in this spiral for this person. that moment for, for that, that moment. person. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a crucial point to make because it's, it, it's so easily could be, you know, um, and then you, I feel like you shame yourself more because it's like, well, this is completely false. It's like, well, don't, oh, don't also assume that, mm-hmm. you know, there could yeah. be elements like you said, well, yeah, they did do something that caused this mm-hmm. mistrust, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are, those are important. Absolutely. And, you know, as we're wrapping up, I feel like we hit on a lot of good points and we just wanted to say, cause it can be a little bit heavy, you know, if you are considering, um, therapy or you feel like you are struggling with this or you're having a hard time, reach out, reach out to someone, reach out to a therapist. There are a lot of resources online. You can go to coda.org, C-O-D-A.org. Yeah. Um, and then of course, if anyone is struggling with suicidal ideation, you can call 988 and that's a suicide hotline. It's open 24 seven. So we just wanted to clarify that and say that for anyone who is dealing with those things. Um, and then, um, you know, we'll, we'll be back for round three we're not leaving you high and dry we got more topics coming yes and not all of them are as um uh deep as this one today it was heavy it was heavy there we go that's the right word this one was heavy but i feel like it's important for us to cover um for a multitude of reasons and it's a big part of codependency but just know um if you feel like you are the only one who struggles with like obsessive thoughts Mm -hmm. or 
um, feeling like the whole world is spiraling around you. Um, that's what, I mean, we joke all the time through memes on social media about um, having mental breakdowns. How many mental breakdowns did you have today, right? Like, mm-hmm. we all have them, and they all show up in different forms, but a lot of them is um, a result of our spiraling. And yeah. I think you are not helpless in these situations. There are yeah. things you can do. There's hope. There's hope, and you can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. And we love you. We love you, audience. We love you so much, and um, we hope that you have a safe and amazing week. Mm -hmm. And we will be back next week. And do you... Do you you like like us? We hope so. Other codependent topics. Oh, my gosh. We'll get it one day. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)